Welcome to episode number 29 of the Grow Well podcast. I recently, well not recently, it was a while ago, I got a two-star review on iTunes that is basically saying that this show isn't just about plants and that's why they gave it two stars. Another one that is only three stars that says there's a fair amount of Jesus mentioning. And I don't think either person was coming from a malice or anything mean. They just didn't love the show. It wasn't for them. And that is so totally fine. That's the purpose of the reviews and not even a little bit upset. But I bring it up because both of these people are right on the money. Grow Well podcast is not just a show about how to keep your houseplants alive. It's about so much more. Even a few months ago, when this show was titled Get Planty, that was still my mission, which is why I renamed the podcast to the title Grow Well to make it even more clear that Grow Well is more than just how to keep your houseplants alive. It is a weekly podcast designed to inspire you to grow well as both a houseplant collector and as a child of God. I cannot help but see the incredible parallels between plant growth and human growth, and I know that is by no accident. God uses nature time and time again to reveal to us his majesty, to spoil us, to love on us, to heal us, to encourage us, and to remind us of his intentionality and depth. Grow Well is a podcast that falls in that unique, far too seldomly talked about, or maybe even thought about, in between topic of nature and life and how great God is to have intersected the two and that he did that very intentionally. So welcome. Whatever walk of life, whatever occupation, belief, plant skill level, I am just beyond grateful that you're here and I can't wait to teach you how to keep your houseplants alive because man, I really want you to be able to enjoy your houseplants. Houseplants are such a gift because we get to bring a tiny sliver of God's incredible nature from outdoors, indoors. And there we can be reminded daily of God's incredible power and love, and that's a pretty big deal to me. Plus, let's be real, houseplants are trendy and beautiful and so much fun. But to be able to actually enjoy your houseplants, you first need a very good foundational understanding of how all plants grow. And this is why I'm working so hard on my houseplant course, Get Planty. See what I did there? I just moved that name Get Planty over to a more applicable spot which is my houseplant course, and it is going to be good. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later, but today for this episode, we're going to be talking about photosynthesis, and to be really successful and to really enjoy houseplant care or really any form of gardening, I think it's really important to have a basic understanding of photosynthesis because literally everything we do as houseplant collectors points back to this incredible planty operation. Photosynthesis is the process by which houseplants create their own food, which is pretty incredible, right? Outdoors in their native habitat, they grow in a way that they can utilize the resources all around them to actually feed themselves. And there are three main elements responsible for photosynthesis. Those are carbon dioxide, water, and light. And all three are so important and all three are very misunderstood by most houseplant collectors. So today we're going to break down each element a little deeper, unpacking why the plant needs it, how the plant uses how the plant collects it rather, why they need it, how they collect it, and what we can do as houseplant collectors to, to facilitate the plant in doing that well. 
kind of a tongue twister there. I'm just getting so excited to talk about photosynthesis, you guys. <laughs> and then after that, we'll dive into some personal application on how we can learn um, from studying and from science what God has to teach us basically through photosynthesis and through our house plants today. It's going to be a really good episode. But first, I want to share with you some pretty rad thing I made for you. It is a super fun and quick houseplant quiz to help you find the right houseplant for you and for your home. A few days ago, I ran a really incredible giveaway um, in partnership with Deeply Rooted Magazine. Um, and I actually have a uh, repotting spread featured in their latest issue, which feels like such a big honor. And it's really beautiful the way that they have it all laid out. So if you're not already familiar with Deeply Rooted Magazine, go get familiar with them. You're going to love it. It's awesome. But anyways, as part of their giveaway, I asked, like, as part of the giveaway to be able to enter into the giveaway, I asked what your dream houseplant was. And about 89.7% of you, which is a super reliable, not at all made up on the spot statistic, said that you wanted a fiddly fig. And I don't blame you. They're all the rage and I can see why. They're super, super beautiful. They're big, gorgeous, lush statement plants. But fiddly figs are native to West Africa. And while most houseplants are in fact houseplants because they adapt well and are a bit more tolerable to enter environments, fiddly figs just aren't one of those plants. That doesn't mean that you can't successfully grow one in your home. You so super can. I know that you can. It just means that you need to do a little bit more research before you run out and impulse buy a beautiful fiddly fig. And understanding the conditions of your home and how much effort you're willing to put into making that plant grow well is really, really key, which is why I created this houseplant quiz. You can go take it right at this very second at dustyheggy.com slash quiz. There are just a few questions and based on your answers, I'll match you with a house plan that I think will do best for you and for your home. And then plus after that, which is kind of my favorite part, I get to really connect with you on a on a more personal level and give you a few very planty filled emails with information about your results, how to keep them alive. And then I even send you an email just in case you don't love, love your quiz results. Some other plants that I think will be a really good match based on your quiz answers. Um, so you can take that quiz at dustyheggy.com quiz. And when you do, can you please do me a solid screenshot that quiz, tag me on Instagram at dustyheggy and uh, brag about how great you are and about how great that quiz was because I want to see your results. I've had over a thousand people take this quiz already and I'm, it feels like such an honor. That feels like a gigantic number to me. And it's been so cool to see how many of you guys have replied back to emails and been excited about the plants that you've been matched with. So thank you, like so, <laughs> just so super much. Thank you to every single one of you who have already taken this quiz. And I hope those of you who haven't, get your booty over to Dusty Heggy. Heggy is H-E-G-G-E dot -E com slash quiz to be able to take that quiz because it's a good time. Okay, on to photosynthesis. I love talking about photosynthesis because literally everything that we do as houseplant collectors goes back to helping our plants photosynthesize well. In the past, I think I have an episode teaching a little bit on this topic, but not nearly quite as deeply or in a way that explains why it's so important that we understand photosynthesis. Um, and I think it's important for me, just for my own, I don't know, 
sake, to step back and say I'm not a botanist or a horticulturalist, and I've actually never pursued like a degree of any time on like a college level. So everything I'm sharing with you today is stuff that I've learned on my own, um, and because I, it's just such a huge field of study, I just want to make it clear that this is kind of a basic level, top-down view of photosynthesis, and that I am not like an expert in the world of photosynthesis. It can be, it's a very big field of science and this is just a surface level, what you need to know to help keep your houseplants so super happy and to just deepen your love of houseplants by being able to connect with them on a little bit deeper of a level and science gets to help us do that. So I can certainly teach these basics and I can teach them well. And within Get Planty Houseplant Foundation's course, I actually unpack photosynthesis even more um, because it really is important to understand how plants feed themselves and how plants photosynthesize because that kind of helps us to be able to build that natural green thumb, to be able to look at a plant and based on some visual cues and based on some growing patterns, be able to kind of understand what that plant might need, where that plant might come from, all that kind of good stuff. And so that's what I want to leave you with within the course Get Planty Houseplant Foundations. And I think it's really cool because the more we study and learn about how plants work or how people work or how whatever hobby we really love, the more we like dive deeper into it and ask questions and get curious the deeper level of appreciation we have for that hobby or for that person or for our creator, right? Do you see where I'm going here? And this is why a understanding a foundational level of how all plants work is so super important. Um, the second reason that photosynthesis is so important is, like I said earlier, like literally everything points back to photosynthesis and houseplant care. So photosynthesis, beyond being just so ridiculously hard for me to spell slash say because I get so excited, my tongue gets all, all sorts of tied up, photosynthesis is the process by which houseplants produce their own food. So this food is glucose, and it's what sustains already established plant growth, and it's what fuels new plant growth. So this glucose produced by photosynthesis, like the outcome of photosynthesis, is the lifeblood to this plant, right? So it is everything that this plant needs in a very like pared down sort of way to say that to be able to grow. So this is why it's so important because the food is glucose, right? And it sustains the growth that it's already established, growth that it's going to produce, and it even heals like suffering growth, all of that good stuff. So in short, everything we do as houseplant collector goes back to glucose and helping our plants produce it and use it, and this is photosynthesis. Outdoors in their native environments, there are so many elements and so many factors that go into helping a plant photosynthesize well. And each plant is outfitted, I'm doing air quotes here, so to speak, to live well within its native environment and to collect these three elements it needs in order to photosynthesize well. And so those elements are light, water, and carbon dioxide. And a plant uses, so a plant uses energy from light to transform water and carbon dioxide into glucose, and it omits oxygen as its waste product through a process called respiration. Similarly, we respire carbon dioxide. So let me repeat that one more time because there's a lot of big words there. So a plant uses light 
to transform water and carbon dioxide into glucose, it's food, and its waste product is oxygen, which it like releases from the plant through a process called respiration, just in the same way that we respire carbon dioxide. So we're gonna break down each of these elements a little bit deeper, and we're gonna start first with light. So a several episodes back, I think it's episode five, or no, episode seven, sorry, is I have on an incredible guest, um, Daryl Chang from Houseplant Journal on the show. And he teaches houseplant care from the perspective of understanding light first. And our views on houseplants and why they matter so greatly um, are very, very, very similar. So it was a super joy to have him on. And if you haven't already listened to episode number seven, I really suggest you head back a few episodes and listen to that episode because it is just packed full of just so much planty goodness. So I bring this up to say that most of the questions that we have around light, around houseplants are centered around water, like when to water, how much to water. And though those things are important, light is far more important to understand because it is the catalyst that fuels the rest of photosynthesis. Kind of like light is basically the leader of the photosynthesis gang, and he's calling all the shots and setting the stage for plant growth. Light is absorbed by a green chemical on the plant called chlorophyll. In fact, wherever you see green on a plant, chlorophyll is present. And this is why when you have a heavily variegated house plant, which is coloring that's not green, like white or purple or pink or yellow, like, for example, a Marble Queen Pothos is a very common, heavily variegated houseplant. When a plant like that, that is heavily variegated, is in an area with less than ideal light, it will lose some of that variegation because the plant is going into sort of a survival mode. And it doesn't mean it's doomed to die. It will be just fine. But as a way to adapt, it produces more chlorophyll, which is green, and some of that variegation fades away and is replaced by green. Because the plant needs chlorophyll in order to absorb the energy from light in order to marriage carbon dioxide and water to produce glucose. Can you see how all of these elements are so heavily intertwined and why all of these things need to happen in a good balance in order for your plant to feed itself and continue growing on? And it's kind of for the same reason that trees, like a deciduous tree who drops their leaves in fall and win in the fall and then is dormant during the winter, um, they go brown because it pulls in the back of the rest of that chlorophyll to preserve energy in preparation for colder months. Same sort of concept here. And while our houseplants likely won't or hopefully not drop all the leaves during winter, it does go into a resting phase, and in some cases, depending on the houseplant, dormancy. And that is because light is truly the catalyst of plant growth. And they're not gonna grow very much if there's not very much light because it's trying to preserve energy to just kind of sustain growth rather than putting out a whole bunch of new growth. Um, and this is very, very true, especially like where I live within the Pacific Northwest where we don't get a whole lot of light during the winter months and not even really truly during the fall months. Um, and so it goes into a period of, of rest. And understanding this piece of photosynthesis helps us to be able to adjust every other element like water, which we'll dive into in just a minute, um, because we have a good foundational understanding of how the plant 
lives of how it feeds itself and how it survives. And within my houseplant course, Get Planty, I'm currently rewriting the chapter on light to include so much more actionable ways to assess the light in your home, to understand light, and to explain it from a very science-based perspective on why a plant needs light and exactly how it uses it, all from the lens of what's applicable to you as a houseplant gardener. But here are three really quick, very actionable light tips that you can implement today to help your houseplants grow well, and particularly through that lens of understanding light and being able to help your plant get the right amount of light that it needs to be able to photosynthesize. So the very first one is to understand your plant's native habitat. Plants are not made to live indoors. I've said it once, I will say it a thousand times more, houseplants, well plants, are not to meant, not to meant to, sticking with that. They're not supposed to be inside, guys. And when we bring them inside, we need to do our very best to replicate its natural environment within the confines of our home so that, wait for it, it can photosynthesize well. So understanding the growing conditions that it's natively from will be able to help you sort of replicate those conditions as best you can within your home. So, for example, a plant that is native to the deserts of Mexico will prefer very different growing conditions and levels of light as opposed to a plant growing within tropical rainforests. And you can get even more specific when you compare two plants living in similar habitats but growing under different conditions. For example, a fiddle leaf fig is native to West Africa and a snake plant is also native to West Africa. But a snake plant is going to be growing under the shade of jungle trees, whereas a fiddle leaf fig is a jungle tree. So we can infer that the fiddle leaf fig is gonna be getting way more light than a snake plant will because it's just closer to the sun, it's probably not gonna have very much shade over top of it, right? So we know that that fiddle leaf fig is gonna need way more light than a snake plant will. So a quick Google search will tell you a whole lot about the kinds of light that your plant needs. So I always recommend before you go and research a bunch of care guides, which has value, and we're gonna talk about that in a second, first look at where that plant is native to. And then read a little bit about that place. Like understand, is this a plant that's growing up high and is it a giant jungle tree? Or is it growing on the, on the jungle floor or on the forest floor? Plus it's a really incredible way to connect with your plants a little bit more and to learn some really cool facts about their environment and about their care, all that kind of good stuff. So we're gonna go on to the second thing, which is read houseplant care guides. Houseplant care guides can be very, very helpful. And I have a slowly growing list of houseplant care guides on my website at dustyheggy.com. But here is my word of caution. Houseplant care guides are always written from one set of growing conditions and they can be a little fear inducing. And I know that that sounds a little silly to say about a houseplant, but they often give very hard and fast rules that likely worked wonderfully for the author who wrote that care guide, but for you in a very different home, living in a very different area of the world, might not mean much of anything to you. Simply because your growing conditions, like within your own home, will be drastically different than the growing conditions from another person's home. There are a lot of factors like temperature, light, are, is your house next to big buildings or trees that is blocking the shade? Do you not have very many windows? Are you living in a small apartment where 
where there's just not a whole lot of windows. There is a like just a wide range of growing conditions, even within the like uniformity of it being in a person's home. Makes sense. So here's my advice as you approach houseplant care guides. There really is kind of a spectacular range of of conditions that a houseplant might be able to grow in. And it will adapt and change and it will communicate to you if you're paying attention and if you do your research, what might be wrong about its care, what is doing well, all of that kinds of good stuff, which is something I break down a lot within Get Planty. But I think it's important to first start exactly where you are now by understanding how a plant uses each resource and then go to, towards like approaching houseplant care guides as just that, a guide. It is so, so helpful to read as much as you can and to learn all that you can and to read several houseplant care guides. But remember, it's just a guide. Start practicing houseplant care and pay attention to your plant, watching for warning signs and, and just paying attention to your plant because it's going to communicate to you if something about its care is off. And you can then do a little bit more research and see what those signs might be saying. So just come to slow conclusions to what your plant needs and then just start beginning to practice. Think of it kind of like health trends. For a while, everybody was saying that all fat is bad for our bodies. And now we know a little bit more and we're saying that fat is good as long as it's the right kind of fat or you know, there's always trendy foods or like there's just trends in houseplant care too because houseplants are really one gigantic big trend, right? Similarly, there's a lot of focus right now on humidity for houseplants or a fear of too much direct sunlight when really, I'm going to be honest, we don't need to stress out all that much about either of those two topics. Like we are way overcomplicating things for the sake of a trend. So here's my suggestion. Read two to four houseplant care guides and then take the average, so to speak, um, that you get from those care guides, especially in regards to light. So approach them with kind of a slow, patient mindset. Take the average of two to four houseplant care guides. The more, the better, in my opinion. Learn all that you can, particularly about its native environment, like we talked about just a moment ago. Um, and that's going to really set you up for houseplant success, especially in relation to light. The third tip, the final tip I have for being able to maximize light in your home and to be able to help your houseplant photosynthesize well is to get eye level with your houseplant. And then imagine your houseplant has eyeballs. Can your plant see the open sky? I think that is the biggest difference between outdoors and indoors. Walls. Walls are the biggest difference. Outdoors, there may be shade from other plant growth, but there's still probably dappled light coming through all those things. Um, but indoors, there are four walls and a ceiling and a teeny tiny window that's allowing light to come through. Granted, other forms of light are going to help. It doesn't have to just be sunlight. But still, the amount of light is like drastically reduced. And we talk about that within my episode with Daryl Chang in episode seven. So that's another reason why I suggest that you go back. And this is actually a practice that he recommends, which makes so much sense and it's so easy to apply. So I hope you, wherever you're at, run over to your houseplant, get eye level with your houseplant. Can you see the open sky? And the answer should be yes. If you can't see the open sky, consider adding artificial light or moving your houseplant to a space that gets better light. So I'll have a direct link to this 
um, episode with Daryl Chang in the show notes. Light is the kind of topic that you don't know what you don't know. And if this is just the tip of the iceberg on light, there's so much to learn within this topic. And the more I learn, the more I fall in love with plants and the more I can see just how intentionally God created nature to reveal his glory and to point back to him. And it's pretty awe-inspiring if you ask me. But for now, we're going to go on to the next element, which is water. Water is the element that we typically have the most control over and therefore tend to mess up the most. I think partially because we fail to pay attention to the light as a precursor for how much water a plant needs at any given time. But also, we just drastically overcomplicate things. Water is collected primarily by the roots of the plant, and the roots, they serve other purposes like nutrient storage and to provide stability for the plant, which is something I cover a whole lot in the anatomy, like plant anatomy module within Get Planty. But basically, its main job is to pull water up from the soil into the plant and throughout the leaves so that the plant can photosynthesize. Several episodes back, in episodes 5 and 6, I did a two-part series on watering. So I am going to keep this section on watering short and sweet because I have talked about watering a lot in the past. But I do want to give you four very quick things that you should know about water to best facilitate your plant in photosynthesis. The first one is don't overcomplicate it. All you need in that planter is the right soil, which is another episode for another time, and a drainage hole. And that's it. That's all you need. Do not add rocks to the bottom of the pot and do not plant it in a planter without a drainage hole. End of story. It seems like those things would help by providing more drainage for the plant, but that's not at all what's happening and in fact it's the exact opposite. If your planter doesn't have a drainage hole, any excess water is going to sit in the bottom of the pot and cause root rot and basically drown the plant. If there's too much water for the plant to use, it will suffocate the plant. So it's not helping by retaining moisture, it's only harming if you don't have a drainage hole. And then secondly, if you add rocks to the bottom of the plant, it does not add any drainage at all because the water is just gonna sit down there in the bottom of the pot and it will eventually cause the plant to root rot because it has no place for that plant to go. If I'm honest, you could plant you could pot a plant in a planter without a drainage hole if every single time you watered you watered with the exact amount of water it needed. But you don't have a whole lot of control over light exposure, remember? And there are also other factors like temperature and humidity and all kinds of things that play into exactly how much water that plant is going to use, like the time of the year and the season of growth that it's in. It's kind of impossible to know the exact amount. You can get a good idea through practice, but a simple drainage hole is going to give you the wiggle room that you need it's gonna give your plant the space to be able to like throw out all the rest of that water that it doesn't need. Well, it's just gonna drain through the pot. Your plant isn't personified. It can't push it out by itself. Come on, guys. Anyways, all that to say, drainage hole is just so necessary and stop putting rocks in the bottom of your planter. Only impedes growth. The second thing is Feel the soil before you water. Always, always, always feel the soil before you add any amount of water to that soil. The soil might trick you and it might appear as the top is bone dry, but as you stick your finger in the soil, 
it gets more and more wet. So as a rule of thumb, keep in mind this is a very general rule of thumb and there are a lot of exceptions, stick your finger in the soil and if it's dry up to your second knuckle or so, it could use a really good deep watering so that water pours out the bottom of that drainage hole. Another important reason for a drainage hole. So the most common exception to that rule is succulents and cacti because most cacti are, botanically speaking, succulent. And a succulent is any plant with succulent or juicy leaves. So basically it means that the plant stores its water and nutrients within the fleshy parts of the plant rather than within the root system. So these plants have more shallow roots and more bulbous leaves and stems. And this is an adaptation that the plant has made in living in more extreme conditions where it may not have constant access to water, like for example, a fern might. So within our homes to replicate that, succulents should be planted in a shallow planter and allowed to dry fully or in some cases nearly fully before it's watered very, very, very deeply, meaning that the water pours out the bottom and do that a couple of times so that all the soil is nice and evenly moist. And there are a lot of plants that are kind of masquerading as succulents that botanically speaking as a succulent that we don't realize. For example, a snake plant, almost all cactus, Several peperomia and even some palms are botanically speaking a succulent. So can you see already how we treat different plants so differently based on their native environment? I bring this topic up a few moments ago earlier when we were talking about light, but it is equally relevant here, which brings me to the third thing that you need to keep in mind in regards to watering and how your plant can photosynthesize. And that is understanding the plant's native environment. I know I said this already, but it's important here. It really does tell us a whole lot. So remember, read more about that as you sift through houseplant care guides because it really, really, really will help. We're going to dive deeper into that in a later episode for fear of this episode becoming just crazy bonkers long. But for now, that's enough on watering. So make sure you head back to episodes five and six for how and when to water your houseplants. And I'll have a link to both of those episodes within the show notes. So now we're on to the third element to, in order for a plant to photosynthesize, and that is carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is an element that we might think that we don't have to have anything to do with, but that just isn't the case. Carbon dioxide is collected through tiny pores on the leaves called stomata, and when joined with water by the energy of light, it completes photosynthesis. So it's pretty dang important. Brian and I recently watched a movie on Amazon Prime, I think it's an Amazon Prime original, called Destination Wedding, which I'm not yet sure what I think of. It was kind of like painfully awkward, but also beautiful at the same time. Anyways, I don't have a fully formed opinion on it yet. But the main character, well, one of the two main characters is Winona Ryder, and her character, she kept like breathing on her plant to try and get it to grow, which though it would be hilarious to see all of you guys on Instagram breathing on your houseplants to get them to grow. And if you do that, oh my gosh, tag me in that because that's hilarious. But anyways, it kind of does nothing. Like it does absolutely nothing. So your job here isn't to just breathe more carbon dioxide onto your plant, but there are a few things that you can do to kind of help your plant, to facilitate your plant in being able to collect the carbon dioxide already present in the air and to be able to do that well. And the very first thing is to keep the leaves clean. Dust and debris 
build up on our houseplants' leaves so, so, so quickly. And the more dust and buildup on there, the harder your plant needs to work to collect carbon dioxide and honestly light, since we're on the topic. I mean, imagine if your body had like a thick layer of dust all around it. It would probably mess up some pretty important bodily functions that are necessary to keep you healthy. The same is true for houseplants. So make sure you're wiping down those leaves. And when you do, it will also help keep houseplant pests under control, which is something I covered a few episodes back. It does so many good things for your houseplant. So just make sure you wipe down those leaves. When you do, hold the base of the leaf and wipe gently so that the leaf doesn't tear or rip on accident and then also be sure to wipe off the tops and the bottoms if you look at your leaves and you're like holy goodness that has so much dust on it start first with a dry cloth and then use a damp cloth after that it will just kind of help it to not get quite so gunky if there's like a heavy buildup of dust on those leaves the second thing that can help a plant collect the proper amount of carbon dioxide is humidity So don't be fooled into thinking that your plant needs humidity or else it will die. That just isn't the case for the majority of houseplants we bring into our home. Proper water management is far, 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 far more important than increasing the amount of ambient humidity for your plant. That said, humidity can help a plant respire well and protect those precious stomata, those pores that collect carbon dioxide and release oxygen from releasing too much gas Think of it kind of like chopsticks for your lips in the middle of a hot summer's day. So I'm not going to get into the the nitty gritty of increasing humidity today, but a simple humidifier will help so, so much. Just be sure to make sure that you have good air circulation and that you keep an eye on the soya moisture a lot more closely. Go ahead and put away that spray bottle. It does little to nothing to increase humidity. And there are benefits to using a spray bottle for your houseplant, like for example, for a newly unfurling leaf, bringing it back to that fiddly fig as a good example. If sometimes if the air is too dry when those leaves unfurl, they kind of one side of the leaf sticks to the other side of the leaf. And when it unfurls, it unfurls really evenly and kind of torn and ripped. But if you spray it with water as it's unfurling um, every couple of days or every day, then it adds the moisture that it needs for that leaf to unfurl nice and big and evenly. So that is a really great way to use a mister, like a spray bottle. There are other really great ways to use it too. So you don't need to like put it away forever, but it doesn't really do a whole lot to increase ambient humidity. Um, And the best example I've been given to explain why that that is true is again from Daryl Chang. I'm bringing this guy up a whole lot today that He's taught me a whole bunch. So the reason is though, because think of it like a match. If you light a match in a room, it will create light in your room, but only for a short time and in a very, very confined space. The same is true of using a spray bottle to add moisture, or to add um, humidity rather, for your houseplant. Follow, does that make sense? I hope so. Okay, so there it is. That's photosynthesis 101 through the lens of a houseplant gardener. So remember that a plant uses energy from light to convert carbon dioxide and water into glucose, and that's the plant's food. And oxygen, which is the plant's waste product, gets released. 
And this is photosynthesis. I hope this episode gives you a deeper appreciation for things that grow. Before I wrap up, I wanna take a quick moment to lay out some beautiful parallels between plant growth and human growth because our God is such a good, good God and it is incredible to see his intentionality in design even in something like photosynthesis and how it can all point back to him. Though I can see a whole slew of really beautiful lessons to be learned here, there's one in particular that stands out to me. As we dive deeper into education, when we get curious and when we ask questions and then seek answers, just how much closer we are drawn in. This is true of our hobbies, like I mentioned at the top of the show, like plant care, and this is true of relationships with any human, with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, and most importantly, this is true of our relationship with God. If you knew nothing of photosynthesis and your plant's leaves started to yellow, you might freak out a bit thinking your plant was doomed. But because we know that water, light, and carbon dioxide must come in a balance for your plant to produce chlorophyll, we know that within a little investigative work, we can probably figure out what's going on with your plant. We start first by feeling the moisture levels of the soil. By first feeling the moisture level of the soil and then assessing the light available to the plant, we can often assume it's caused by the plant getting too little light and likely too much or too little water for the conditions it's currently planted in, which is why we touch the soil to find out. And then we take action. We adjust the growing conditions, we prune the yellow growth, and we move forward. And even still, sometimes after all our assessments, the leaf has just yellowed and died for no apparent cause as a part of the cycle of life because death is a part of the cycle of life and hardship is a part of life. And yet still, we take action by pruning that dying growth, we make space for new, healthy growth, and we move on. Similarly, when life feels like a beautiful leaf quickly going yellow, we have two options. We can either freak out and feel victimized and allow ourselves to be ruled by our circumstances, or we can run to God who has all the answers and begin a conversation with him to assess what's going on. We can choose to think deeper and ask questions and get curious and assess our own growing conditions to see if something about our own care as a human being is off. Are we prioritizing God and building a relationship with him? Are we pouring into the relationships that he's blessed us with? Are we eating well? Are we getting exercise? Are we taking care of ourselves? And then even still, sometimes we're doing all of the right things and all of the things God has called us to and asked us to do, and yet still leaves yellow and die. And we need to prune off that growth and make way for new growth and make way for healing. Every metaphor breaks down at some point, but I think you can see where I'm going here. Our God is not a God of confusion. He doesn't want to trick us into failure or trick us into sin. He is on our side and he is on your side. He wants to see you succeed and he wants to see you grow well. The battle is already won and God has been crowned the victor. Now all we need to do is look to him for light because we know that light is the catalyst for growth. Similarly, God is the catalyst for our growth. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope you leave feeling inspired and encouraged within your own personal journey, your own personal growth journey, and within your own houseplant growth journey. Can you see how exciting these... Ah, I just get all, get all dancey about it because I love it so much. 
But within Get Planty, I unpack each one of these elements of light, carbon dioxide, and water in much more depth. And I even talk about, there's a whole module talking about growth mindset and what it means to grow well as a child of God and what we can learn from nature to be able to do that in a way that can remind us of God's goodness on a day-to-day basis. My goal is to leave you excited, energized, and to teach you how to curate a thriving houseplant collection and have so much fun doing so. So if you haven't already, please, please, please head to iTunes and let's flood it with five-star ratings. Honestly, if I'm really honest, any star rating will do. And I am deeply grateful for the effort and the time that it takes to leave a review. Truly, I don't think in this situation you can really hurt me there. I want you to be honest and I want you to be open. I want to build like actual relationships with you guys. And you leaving a review makes just all the difference in the world. So thank you for the time and effort you put in to leaving a thoughtful review. Next week, I have Felicia Masonheimer on to talk about studying scripture and some of her own journey with struggling within physical affection and so much more goodness. And I cannot wait to share all of the wisdom she has for us. And I honestly, I felt a little awestruck getting the privilege to interview her. I don't know if you know who Felicia Masonheimer is, but I would be shocked if you don't. Find her on Instagram. I'll put a link to her Instagram profile in the show notes because she has so much to teach us and God is really using her um, in some incredible ways. So make sure you press subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Take the houseplant quiz at dustyheggie.com slash quiz. And thank you, thank you for leaving a review. I know this was a longer episode, but man, I hope you enjoyed every single second. All of the links I mentioned are in the show notes at dustyheggie.com slash podcast. And I pray that you have an incredible week of growing well.